we haven't done a good job explaining to corporate America leadership what type of person it takes to do this job. We have not done a good job at all. We've never sat down and gone the profile for a dynamic, you know, next tier supplier diversity manager is X, right? We just kind of let them figure it out on their own. And sometimes they get a great person and sometimes they don't. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. I'm Matt Colicello in for Chloe Guidry-Reed, and I'm here with co-host Adam Moore. In today's episode, we'll be discussing how to build a supplier diversity program from the ground up. In the modern corporate world, supplier diversity is rapidly becoming a necessity for every business for reasons we discuss in many of the episodes on this show. Tapping into diverse talent is crucial to stay innovative and competitive while simultaneously meeting your organizational goals for inclusive economic impact. But how is a successful supplier diversity program started and maintained? What does it take to develop strong procurement and supply chain practices and align your company's values with the diverse, inclusive mindset? Here to discuss that and more today is Adam Moore. So let's dive in. Adam, let's go. How's it going? Hey, it's doing well today, Matt. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is another really exciting topic. Uh, You know, I've had the chance to mentor and build several uh, supplier diversity programs. So yeah, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart and uh, so glad to be having the conversation today. Likewise, likewise. So what is the first step you would say to creating, and in, in many cases for many organizations, kind of relaunching an organizational supplier diversity practice? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it all depends on what was the genesis for starting or relaunching the supplier diversity program, Okay, right? Was it because... If there's a reputational risk that you know we're trying to mitigate, are you a regulated entity and your regulators have said you need to have a program? Or is it the board went to the CEO and said, hey, we've heard about the supplier diversity thing and we think we need to be on board as well too, right? So all three are legitimate starting points, right? And, and not one is better or worse than the others. Each have their advantages and disadvantages, of course. But Kind of understanding the why. Why are we doing this is a great question to start asking, right? Mm. So I often say if I was a brand new uh, supplier diversity manager and I've been thrown into a company like we're starting a program, the very first question I do is I'd want to sit down with the CEO if, if possible, right? And go, why are we doing supplier diversity? But explain to me why this is now a uh, initiative. Because what that's going to do is that's going to tell you what type of program you're going to start building, okay? And how much support are you going to get, right? I mean, you could get a CEO like, yeah, we want to get out there and we want to get, you know, we want to be involved in matchmaking. We want to mentor. We want to, you know, increase our spend by X fold and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's how you're like, okay, great. We've, I've, I've got, uh, you know, I've got some firepower here. They might say, yeah, you know, we've got some diverse spend, but we want to double it. They might say, we don't really know 
We just know we do, but we don't know anything about it. Right. And, and some others might be like, yeah, we're required to have it. And that's almost the end of the conversation. And what that does is it kind of helps you set where am I going to go with the program? What type of backing am I going to have from the program? And where can I expect this to be taken? How much, how much importance can I expect this to be given into the, into the program? You know, one of the things I used to do when I interviewed for a new supplier diversity job, I, I had three questions I always asked at the end. And the very first one is, is the CEO behind this? Mm-hmm. Right. Is, is this an initiative from the CEO themselves and are they behind it and are they willing to make a statement on how they find it to be important? Right. My next question is, is supplier diversity tied to anybody's goals? Is it tied to a sourcing goal? Is it tied to a uh, annual performance bonus goal? Do you have a measurable target that you're putting out? in a forward-facing or public-facing publication. And then the third thing is, is how much funding do I have? Are you funding only me and my salary? Or do I have funding to go do things like join organizations, go to trade shows, buy trade show materials, have a display, sponsor workshops, that type of thing. You know, So those are kind of my three questions, right? And those three questions kind of helped answer my in response to, you know, what's the first thing you should do is, you know, starting a new shop and that's have the conversation, find out what type of shop you, you, they want you to put together, but that's it, right? I mean, that's, that is absolutely the crucial first step. What type of shop do you want me to put together? Right. And I feel like that also helps a supplier diversity professional or the person that's in the position that you're in also determine how much change management they're going to have to do. Right. And we kind of talked about that in the other episode you and I did together, right? And that is the supplier diversity manager has to consider himself the change agent. And and you have to be comfortable in that role. Right. So if there's a gap between what you know should be happening and what C-suite thinks is the point or feels is the point, you may be thinking about, okay, well, that's my starting point. And here's how I'm going to demonstrate benefits so that we can get from the starting point to uh, more funding to cut or whatever, filling whatever gaps there are. Exactly. Exactly. And you have to, you have to realize that sometimes when you identify those gaps, they might sit there and go, oh yeah, we understand, but we're not interested in closing it either. Mm. Right. Which is sounds kind of, sounds kind of harsh, but it is true. Right. It's like sometimes corporations want to do supplier diversity up to a point and then when it starts to get a little uncomfortable or maybe major changes have to happen there all of a sudden the interest dissipates and it's kind of interesting how that happens and that can really cause a problem you know I, I've, I've had a few incidents of that in my career where that it just it is a problem right right because you set something up to go towards correct goal, and yep. then it's being hamstrung exactly exactly yeah I imagine there are people listening to the show, to this episode, that have also had that experience or might be in the midst of that experience. What advice would you give them for continuing on, for working with the situation they're in? So let me start by telling you what I think doesn't work because I did it and it didn't work. Okay. And that is trying to just ramrod through it. Uh, and say, I will exert more force and will on this topic than you will, person who's three pay grades above me. Okay. 
you you will lose the fight. Let me just let me just let me just turn to the back of the book. You lose the fight. And that's just that's just that's business, right? So now if I could go back and even consult my past self, it is well, you got to be smarter than that, right? How do you find somebody at their level or higher that can be an ally, right? That it would give you a sympathetic ear that could learn, learn, you know, lend some gravity to your position. You've got to find obviously the head on approach, right? Bringing in facts, figures, uh, conversation, good points is not doing it. So how do you do an end to run, right? How do you kind of, surreptitiously start changing the story, right? And and that can be many different ways. Figure out a way where they have a pain point inside their organization and how does supplier diversity help fix it, right? right? Figure out how another company is like going all gangbusters and is receiving all of this praise and, and love by implementing either your idea or something close to it and start bringing that up as, you know, conversational points, you know, so there's, there's other ways other than just kind of running into the same wall and Mm -hmm. you've got to sit there and really analyze it. You know, we talk a lot about on the show, our CEOs and business owners taking some time for introspection, Mm. right. And going, how do I really solve this? Instead of just kind of rushing out into the fray and trying to fix it. Supplier diversity managers, we're dealing with a bunch of different personalities, right? Um, and they're complex personalities, they're intelligent personalities, and you really have to take some time to step back and go, okay, I have a, an obstacle, you know, this person's opinion, this person's whatever, and how do I take a more, you know, enlightened approach to fixing it, to yeah. breaking it down? And that's hard for us to do because as supplier diversity managers, man, we are change agents, right? And we are charging forward and we are ready to move needles and change conversations. And we're like, how dare you have this opinion, (laughs) right? Right. So my natural inclination is just to run right at it and keep running right at it when sometimes it is better to step back, pull yourself out of that situation, think about it and, you know, take some time before your next, your next move or conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're naming too is something that I've noticed, um, you know, coming from an economic justice background that wasn't in corporate America and then now being sort of in the corporate yeah. wing of economic justice in a way. I've noticed that something that people don't name as frequently in corporate America is that what we're doing here with supplier diversity is really addressing and then transforming the effects of really entrenched mindsets about who you do business with, who is a viable partner. Um, and that is, of course, along racial and gender lines. And it, it, there is a lot of, which we know, a lot of really entrenched thinking about this, that people are at varying degrees of self-awareness around. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree with that, Matt. And you know, the other statement that's being made to me just in corporate America in, in, in general, and I think it translates is people are starting to get change fatigue. Mm. You know, if you think about it, we're in, a, in, in our new post-pandemic world. So much has changed in the business arena, right? Because of that pandemic event that we're actually starting to see some cases of change burnout. Mm. You know, so here you come along going, doop do doo let's spend more with diverse suppliers and let's put in this program and let's do this and let's better these people. And they're just going to stare at you. Like I can't even process what you're saying to me. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, let's say that we have tackled those initial hurdles. Okay. And you're a company that has established a supplier diversity program newly or has has established a program, you know, established a program maybe back in the 90s, but it's time to update, right? Yes. And strengthen the program or avail the program of new technology that can speed up processes. What strategies would you suggest for supplier diversity professionals or you know others who believe in supplier diversity in organizations at that stage in the supplier diversity life cycle it's already established now it's time for some updates and innovation you know that that's a really good question and and as a supplier diversity manager you can actually find yourself in that situation pretty easily right maybe you have been part of a supplier diversity program and uh, you took a job at another company that had an established program because they their manager moved on or something of that nature, right? So now all of a sudden, boom, I'm in a fully functioning supplier diversity program. Maybe I've got a BA. Maybe I have one or two other supplier diversity managers report to me or work along beside me. So it's not an uncommon scenario for our professionals to find themselves in, right? Right. You've got to do some analysis on one, where are they trying to take the program still? Right. What in and, and, and again, conversations with the C, the, the CPO, conversations with your CFO actually are not bad to have either, believe it or not, in this in this realm. I would talk to investor relations. I would talk to risk. I would talk to the CEO and get everybody's pulse check. Like, where are we going? You know, what are we what are we wanting to accomplish? Is it mission done and we're maintaining? And sometimes that's not a bad answer, right? Or is it, hey, we've achieved these goals. You know, what do you think our next goal should be? Or, you know, we want to achieve, you know, a, we want to double our spin. We want to get to the billion dollar roundtable. We want to um, start our own supplier diversity academy, you know, start really doing some business development. A whole host of things could be coming your way, right? And you, you've got to sit there and kind of take that in, right? Because the last thing you want to do is come into a program that's established. That's maybe doing great, maybe has a great reputation inside the different uh, NGOs that are out there and they're happy where they are. And they sit there and go, well, we're going to change things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not to say that you can't, but you got to do it differently, right? Incremental change. Don't sit there and go, hey, I'm going to scrap everything you've been doing and put in this whole other program that you know I'm comfortable with and I'm going to make you comfortable with now. That's not going to go well. Right. Because you got to remember, and and this is basic change management too. Right. But especially supplier diversity, you've got a very limited bandwidth of conversation because just because of the nature of what we do and where we are and that type of thing, you have to use your time in front of high powered executives that can help you along your journey. You've got to spend it like a very, very valuable resource. And you have to sit there and go, how much conversation time do I have with the CEO, right? You may have a highly engaged one. It's like, I want a monthly report. Great. You are in a good space. You may have a CEO. It's like, yeah, I gave you some time once a year. So incremental changes. Know how much, know how much time you can get on people's calendars. Look at the established programs, right? And if, I, and if you can look at a program and say, if I made one little change over here, maybe if we extended this day-long seminar that they do by 30 minutes, I can get in this one extra little piece, right? Maybe if we cut this little piece out, we could add some 
internal matchmaking. Maybe if we, you know, change this a little bit, I could get the CEO to come in and say some remarks. So it's stuff like that, right? You're, you're taking their basic framework and maybe you're just making a little tweak here or there. You start making those little tweaks and you're going to start kind of gaining some headwind, right? And as you start gaining that headwind, the tweaks can become larger to the t- point where you've got a program that's maybe not materially different than when you walk through the front door, but probably improved. Yes. Yes. So thus far, we've been talking about relationships with people within the organization. And of course, so much of supplier diversity is also how a company builds and maintains relationships with diverse suppliers, with business outside of the organization. Can you talk a bit about best practices for a couple of things, establishing those relationships. How do you, what kind of programs and, and practices do you put in place for establishing and maintaining those relationships? And then also, so essentially, how do you maintain those relationships? Yeah. And, and you're right. I would say 90% of a supplier diversity officer's job is relationship building and management, whether internal or external, right? Mm-hmm. That's you. You've got to be a people person to do this job. You really do. But as far as suppliers, one of the things that I always made sure that people knew is what is the supplier diversity message? In other words, strategic sourcing person, when you're talking to a buyer that may or may not be diverse or is asking about our diversity program, what are you saying to them? Right. So I made sure that the answer, I really made sure they would not say, I'm not sure we have a supplier diversity program when I'm sitting five desks away from them. Right. You know, so I made sure one, they knew I was there and what I did. Uh, And then through, you know, the different town halls or emails, one on one conversations with them during the normal course of business. You know, maybe you get a 10 minute supplier diversity update during, you know, some uh, team meetings, that type of thing. Kind of help them with the language of supplier diversity. Here's what I here's if you're asked about it, here are some quick things you can say. So controlling the message coming out of sourcing, coming out of your firm is critical, right? You want everybody saying the similar thing about supplier diversity and how supplier diversity works in your organization from every level of the organization. And so that that takes a lot of time, right? It, it does. It just takes a lot of time. But again, incremental change is if you keep preaching it, eventually they're going to start parroting it, Okay. Uh, and that's what I have found out through experience. So I just kind of keep out on the same level. I'm like, nope, let's say it this way. Let's say it this way. Let's say it this way. Then, you know, as I'm either training staff to be in supplier diversity, or I've got people with me on the road, um, taking the reins and saying, okay, you know what, for the first two hours, I'm going to handle all the conversations. Okay. Chime in, but let me kind of drive what we're talking about so that you can kind of hear what I say. Okay. And they'll, they'll, they'll pick up on it. Right. And then say, okay, we're going to do a, this next one's going to be 50, 50. Let me kick it off and you finish it. Right. And then by the afternoon, they're running the whole thing. Right. And that's, that's a great thing to do because now they have the message. Right. And let me tell you yeah. what, an entire day of matchmaking or an entire day of running your booth at a um, conference somewhere, they'll have the message down by the end of the day. And that's a great thing because then they take that to wherever they're going and they can kind of help shape that language as other people hear them talk about it and talk about their experience. Yes. Yes. So essentially, I mean, it's, it sounds like it's like language learning through immersion. 
in a way. It is language learning through immersion. You know, it really is. And as a supplier diversity professional, one of the many hats you have to put on is you are the marketing and communications officer for your small itty bitty little division. Yeah. Right. And you have to make sure that what is being said about supplier diversity, you've got a pulse on. And this includes like when it goes out into CSR reports, right? Make sure you know who is putting out any sort of forward facing or C-suite facing reporting. And if they're mentioning supplier diversity, you're at least copied on the draft. You don't have to sit in the, you know, you can sit there and go, look, I don't need to be invited to meetings. I personally don't want to be, but you know, I don't want you to think that I'm going to need to be this other cling on onto your poor meeting and drag it down. I just need to proofread what you're saying about supplier diversity, right? Yeah, totally fair. Yeah. And, you know, you make one or two edits. Guess what? Everything you see past that, it's going to right back. Same message. Beautiful. Beautiful. Another thing that I feel like we hear from a surprising number of enterprise buyers is that they have a hard time identifying diverse suppliers, that they don't know where to go to look for them especially when it comes to, well, you know, we find diverse suppliers in X industry or with X expertise, but we have these other expertise that we need and we can't find diverse suppliers in that sector. And like, well, maybe there aren't even any, you know, and what we constantly find ourselves telling people is yes, no, there are. (laughs) Yes. Right. Don't give up. Yeah. Don't give up. They're there. What's advice or best practices you have for identifying diverse suppliers, you know, even get them to respond to a request for proposal. The greatest thing to do is I always start with reporting, right? So the very first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pull a, a rolling year's worth of spend reporting. And I'm going to want to see the reporting as a, a total outlay of money in whatever category spend at your column we're looking at. Then I'm going to see that number broken down by non-diverse and diverse spend. Okay. And then I'm going to start looking for the people that have zeros. Okay. And, and, and then I'm going to set up a meeting with the, the management group of that, whatever that area is inside your firm. Yeah. And I'm going to say, just so you know, like, I'm sure you guys know, you know, I always come in as like, Hey, look, I'm not here to beat you with a stick. I'm here to consult. Right. You know, we're trying to increase diverse spend. I happen to notice you don't have any Right. And they could be the answer you can get back anything. It's like, right, because, you know, we have we ran an RFP last year and now we have a master vendor in here and we have them for three years. Okay, get it. Probably not going to move the needle over here. Right. But I've at least established the relationship coming back to that. Others might sit there and go, just like you said, we've looked and there is nobody. Okay, well, how have you looked? Where did you look? How long did you look or did you just kind of sit there and go, I don't know of anybody. So therefore, ergo, there must not be anybody. Right. And and I've gotten all of those responses back from folks. And I'm like, great. Well, if you don't have a project coming up and, and more than likely they don't, I think that's the frustrating thing in the supplier diversity land is don't be surprised. You can't boil the ocean in a day and not every division is going to have an open RFP for you to help stick somebody on. They're just not right. So find out if they don't have an open, open project, if they do that much better, find out a project that they just closed. So it's kind of fresh on their minds, right? And say, that's great. Can you give me the RFP documentation for that project? Let me look it over. Let me see if I can't identify somebody, right? And then I'd like to introduce you to them. They're going to know the RFP is closed. It's done. See you in 36 months. But 
again, let's just establish a relationship real fast. You know, and so then you've got several different options, right? Hopefully you're the member, you know, a national member of WeBank or NMSDC or Novoba or one of our other great organizations. And you can go hit their database and you can search. Now, the databases, that could be a whole show in and of itself to go search through. But, you know, you can start trying to search on some keywords, some keywords inside that RFP scope of, uh, you know, scope of business yes. that they've yes. put together. The other thing to do is realize that groups like the NMSDC have industry verticals. So if you're in manufacturing, they have a manufacturing vertical. Well, reach out to the, the corporate president of that vertical and say, hey, I'm brand new. Here's something I'm working on. I'm trying to find somebody who does this. Is there anybody inside the vertical that has found somebody that does X? And they may say, oh, yeah, we've just, we just found one ourselves. Or I don't know. Let me, put in, you know. let me put an email out to the group. So you've got to start working your networking. That probably may even go back to like point one A when we were talking about setting up a new program with that is start building your internal and external networks like right away. Um, because I can't tell you how many times I've gone out to my personal network of supplier diversity professionals and said, hey, guys, I'm looking for somebody that does X. And people are like, oh, well, I know three companies. Here you go. But never found them. Right. So then you take you, you you've made this discovery, you take it back to the business and you help them start building a relationship. So that's probably a way longer answer than you were looking for. But I think no, it all kind of ties together a little bit. I think that that is extraordinarily useful to think about and, and, and a, a roadmap really to follow. And, and again, a roadmap in a field that has a dearth of roadmaps. So that was really, really yes. useful. A dearth, a cornucopia, if you will. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, sort of the opposite, an empty cornucopia, an empty cornucopia. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so, um, OK, one other thing that we might say we're going back to one a around is goals and metrics, because if your supplier diversity program doesn't have a clearly articulated North Star, it makes it really difficult to hold anyone accountable to yes. decide if you're making progress and then also to give your your team members language to communicate with, right? Because we don't necessarily have that goal, those goals and those metrics. So can you talk about the importance of setting goals and metrics and then knowing when to adjust them? Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's awesome. Goals and metrics are your North Star. They just really are, right? Because if you don't have those, you have no idea what you're navigating to. You really don't. And, and so that's, that is like, yeah, I think that's like one B, build my network, now set my goals. And you, they may be predefined for you when you walk in. They may say, okay, uh, in 24 months, we want you to double spend. Check, got it. Okay, moving on. We, I now mm -hmm. know what to go do. They may say, you know what? Our, we're good on spend, but our goal would be to find suppliers in this area that we've never done or start this program. There's always something you can set a goal on. And I am a firm believer of the not documented, not done. Mm. So I will document everything, right? Like had this many one-on-ones, had this many conversations, had this did this many recurring meetings, had this, you know, did this many brown box, brown bag luncheons, right? So I will document everything. And maybe not all of it pertains to the goal I'm trying to get to, but a lot of, you have to remember, people just don't know what you do because they don't do it. Right. And I've talked to a lot of young supplier diversity professionals like, well, they should just know I do that because that's my job. I'm like, they don't know. And it's not their job to know. That's your job to tell them what you do. 
right? And 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 because they they're off fighting their own dragons, so you go fight yours. They're going to fight theirs, and you tell them which ones you've conquered. Plain and simple. Yeah, that doesn't show that doesn't show apathy on that part. That shows that they're a very busy person, <laughs> and they, and they're not micromanaging you. So consider yourself lucky. But the, the goals, and like I said, the goals can be so many different things. And and the metrics metrics tend to get to be a little bit more squishy, right? Because yeah, how so? Well, because we can hang everything on, but people are like, well, the numbers are the numbers, right? The spend is a spend. Yes, agreed. Okay, I agree with that 100%. But that's not the end-all, be-all metric, right? And and especially if you look at, you know, we kind of referenced the pandemic. If you think back about the spend during those years, even the banks like, yeah, we don't even include those years or, you know, don't don't hang people on those years because it was a wild ride for everybody. Right. So we even said there could be exceptions to spend. And then you sit there and say, OK, well, I, I've, I've attended three national conferences. Man, I learned a lot. I had some great conversations you know, I've, I've met two suppliers that maybe in 36 months I might be able to use. How in the wide, wide world of sports do you put a metric around that? <laughs> but that was important business. That was important work, right? So goals and metrics are great. They're not the end all be all. You have to now, let me give you another hat to put on. You're welcome. You have to be an author and a good storyteller. Right. You do. You have to be an amazing storyteller and say, I went to this conference and in this conference, I learned about ESG and I am currently contemplating how I can work that in to our day-to-day operations in supplier diversity. More to come. In these conferences, I met company A and company B and instantly recognized that they align with our company values and our mission statement, but we don't have any current opportunities. And I will be continuing to work the relationship with them to dive further into their blah, 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 blah. Now, all of a sudden, somebody's going to pick up that and go, oh, well, they are. Look at, look at what they're doing. They're out here spreading the good news. That's what I'm saying. Goals and metrics are good. They're not the end all be all. They can be very squishy because you do have these relational responsibilities that are hard to articulate into a number, mm-hmm. right? So we have, to, we have to have the numbers because some people just, you have to have the numbers. I yeah. have to say, spend stayed the same, spend increased, spend decreased, right? These, had, these guys had no spend. Now they have spend. I said I was going to put on three workshops. I put on four. Mm-hmm. But then if you think about it, like we said, 90% of the job's relational, well, you now, now I've lost 90% of my work and I can't, how do I, how do I show it to you? Yeah. So there, so there's this way in which the job is both about, well, it's about being informed by the quantitative, but also being able to engage the qualitative and translate that into what impact it's having, even if it's not directly this year affecting spend, you're creating warm relationships to use a term from marketing. You're creating warm relationships. It's exactly so right, Matt. You're exactly right. There, yes. Then you're able to go to these companies and say, Hey, we met at such and such event. You've been attending our, you know, webinars and we finally have an opportunity for you. Please respond. Correct. Right. Exactly. And the, the, the pitfall I see is supplier diversity managers get in there and they go, they, they, they're doing their yearly evaluation or maybe a quarterly check-in and they go attended 
conference ABC, matchmaking, trade show, and that's it. And you sit and go, so what? Right? They, they, they're so used to the uh, spend because we drive, we drive spend into people's minds and supplier diversity. Because hmm. right? we talk about economic impact. We talk about you know, spend data, spend analytics. And if you're sitting inside sourcing, God, goodness knows you're hearing about spin, 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 spin mm-hmm. all day long. Right. And so then all of a sudden you look at this person and go, okay, yeah, but you, you're going to have to write this story also. They, they've kind of lost that skill. Right. Yes. I mean, when you, when you say all of this, when I, when I think about the last 27 minutes or so that we've been discussing this, one thing becomes clear that a building a good or great supplier diversity program takes having some pretty incredible dynamic people doing building. Yes. And that is where I have seen management fail their supplier diversity programs. Mm. And I point the gun at the supplier diversity professionals and the NGOs. We haven't done a good job explaining to corporate America leadership what type of person it takes to do this job. Mm. We have not done a good job at all. We've never sat down and gone, the profile for a dynamic, you know, next tier supplier diversity manager is X, right? We just kind of let them figure it out on their own. And sometimes they get a great person and sometimes they don't. And oftentimes when they're starting new programs, and I ran into this too in my, my career, you, you would have somebody reach out to you on LinkedIn and say, Adam, I've seen all that you've done. I've heard your podcast. You're, you're putting out all this great work. We'd love for you to come and uh, set up our program for us. Okay, great. Let me ask you my three questions, right? Mm-hmm. And it, they'll say, yeah, no, the CEO just kind of checked the box. There, there are no goals because we don't know what we're doing. And you have $0 and your salary is like, you couldn't even balance your checkbook with it. Right. And you sit there and go, so I'm going to need like three times what you offered me a salary plus a bonus. Uh, oh yeah. And by the way, I'm going to need probably at least a hundred thousand dollars to start with in a budget to get things going. And I'm going to need direct access to your CPO and your CEO. I never get a call back. It's amazing. <laughs> I well, don't, I some, don't, some I, I will not, I will not throw anybody under the, well, I'm not doing supplier diversity either. I wouldn't throw anybody under the bus on that one, but yeah, several companies have had that conversation with me. So, but it is, it, it, we have to do better. It's supplier diversity, I think is one of those professions that has a lot to offer corporate America and, and, and society as a whole. And we just don't know what we're dealing with. But when I, when I meet supplier diversity professionals who are really seasoned in the field, um, who have stuck it out, who have been in supplier diversity for five, 10, 15, 20 years, yes. the people that, that do stick it out are the most intelligent, the most dynamic relationship building just brilliant human beings who can hold all of those different levels simultaneously that this is this is about change management this is about economic impact this is about data storytelling this is about relationship building both within and outside of the organization it's really i, I love i love when i get to be on the show and i love listening to the show when you and chloe are interviewing supplier diversity professionals because they are always such 
inspiring people. So I guess I want to leave off on that note that if you're listening to this and you're starting out and this is what you're passionate about, keep going, reach out to your peers because you you have incredible peers that will be excited to mentor you and, and, and do this work, do this work, bring all you've got to this work. It really does create. I completely agree. And, you know, I know Matt, you'll give our LinkedIn handles here at the end of the show, but you know, if you are a supplier diversity professional and you have questions for me uh, in particular, you know, with, with, with what I've done, you know, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and and that's at, at Adam a dot more. And I'm never the best at getting back to you. I will eventually, hopefully you won't have retired by the time I get back to your LinkedIn. Uh, But I will be, I'm always glad to be a resource for people that are starting out uh, on this journey because it's one that can be highly rewarding. That's for sure. Well, thank you so much, Adam. And thank you to all of our listeners for being with us for this episode. We hope it's been really helpful. And as Adam said, if you are excited to learn more, definitely reach out to him on LinkedIn. You can also reach out to Chloe at, at Chloe Gidry Reed and to me at Matt Colicello. And I can certainly help uh, direct you to seasoned supplier diversity professionals yes. in addition to Chloe and Adam. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, check out our previous shows, some of which we referenced here in this episode, and stay tuned for next time. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.